Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. And Arnato hits a high fly ball into deep left. Gone! I love it when he comes up with a runner on. And we love to see that. A bomb to left. And the Cardinals strike first. It's 2-0 St. Louis. The 2-2. Out to left. It's well hit. It's gone! On a 2-2. And Mundo Sosa. A fist pump, a smile, and a three-run St. Louis lead. The 0-1. Fly ball. Deep left. Carlson. He got it! Dylan Carlson with the catch. Crashing up against the wall and saving the game. The Cardinals win it. And at that point, I was on the floor of the studios of Bally Sports. That was incredible. That was a great game. That was a great baseball game. Now, if they would have lost that game, we would have come in here today and said, boy, entertaining game, but man, you got to find a way to yes. win those. And you can't be dropping balls in center field. You can't be having mislapses uh, like they had defensively, but they escaped. And so it was a great baseball game. It's fun. I, I think, BK, to the bigger picture, and by the way, that's a Danny Mac show on a Wednesday, and I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kylie. Great guests coming up. Ken Daly, Matthew Libertor. Um, I think this road trip, to me, has been really entertaining baseball. And yeah. you say, well, why has that been that way? Now, the hitting has been hit and miss. Better last night. Uh, some late offense against uh, Gossman. Yeah, the Grand Slam and, the you know, Colorado. So, I mean, there's been some moments on this trip offensively, but it's got to get better. But why is it, generally speaking, been entertaining? Pitching and lack of walks and starters going 5-6, KK7 the other day. Do you know that was only the fifth time a starter's gone seven or more against the Giants this wow. year? That's so amazing. They grind pitchers because they're mixing and matching. We're seeing that here in this series, how... Gabe Kapler wants to play. You, you got a lefty coming up. I'll go to my righty. You got a righty coming he's up. He's aggressive go to my with it. Big time. I mean, it's immediate. You saw it when KK left the game the other night. They were like, okay, cool. You're bringing in Andrew Miller. We'll go ahead and give you our right. Or last night it was, you're bringing yes. in Andrew Miller. We're going to get in our righties. It's amazing. So it, it's been fun baseball to watch. And now the Cardinals, I think they escaped last night. And I think that's probably the right way to mm-hmm. say it, even though they had very good offense. But they had miscues defensively, and they did it with no Alex Reyes, no Giovanni Gallegos. So where did you have to go? Ryan Helsley did a good job. Andrew Miller, three batters. But then the other Miller, maybe you got something here. Here's a guy that his M.O. has been to throw strikes. And I said when he came into the game, if he gets out of this and the Cardinals win it, his stock immediately rises with the team. Now, what about his confidence? Yeah. You know, this is, we're talking about a guy that last week was, you know, looking for a job essentially in the major leagues. And now he gets thrust into first and third against the best team in baseball and gets out of it. No pressure, guy. Yeah. I, you know, they were out. I mean, if they, even if you went to extra innings, it would have been fascinating to see what you do because you got Junior Fernandez, you got 
uh, Waddell. You know, I mean, you, you're really stuck. You had to win the game there. They did. It's a great win. Cardinals win it. That felt like, and I don't know if this is overstating it, Dan. Maybe it is. But here we are. We're coming off of a win, and let's feel good about it. That felt like the biggest win of the year to this point. Maybe there's another one that would be bigger. But yeah, this is this was big. The one that immediately came to mind to me was the three to two win in LA when you had that huge catch to finish the game. Very similar, similar vibe, honestly. Right. Uh with at that point it was Tyler O'Neill that made the catch going down the line in left field. This one it was Dylan Carlson going back on a ball in left field. Those to me are the two that have felt the biggest in the moment. And maybe that's just because late night baseball, you're up at twelve thirty and finally your team's able to come away with a victory i don't know but that one felt like it had an outsized importance on whether or not this team's going to be able to sustain this moving forward a little bit i'm curious what uh, some of the listeners feel about this and and i'm sure many of them have real jobs so they go to bed and actually get up at a you know five six maybe even earlier seven so they go to bed and they or they're watching the game and they fall asleep but i have so many friends that will text me and say i just love the west coast games i love it because I work, I come home, maybe I go work out, or I have my kids' events, we have dinner, I put the kids to bed, uh, the wife is watching The Bachelor or whatever, you know, she wants to watch, and I get to lay down and watch late-night baseball. They just love the West uh, West Coast games. I could see that, and then they probably fall asleep midway through, and they wake up to the Danny Mac (laughs) final call. (laughs) What more could you really ask for? It's uh, It was fun. It was a great game, and now they got Oviedo going tonight, and Mike Schilt asked if they can build on this series win. Take the first two and then the series and, you know, hard fault and uh, contributions. I think that's probably the biggest part of the contributions from a lot of different people that, you know, allows us to collectively even gain a little bit more momentum, confidence. Not that we completely lack it, but you're seeing a little bit more um, swagger to the group. You're seeing a lot of guys doing a lot of different things to help the team win. Um, we can name a lot of different guys the last few days that have contributed both sides of the ball. So I think that when you start to see a group of guys that are feeling good about how they're playing, and you put that together collectively, that's when you see, you know, good runs take place. So before the game last night, Mundo Sosa was not in the lineup. So Tyler O'Neill was a late scratch, had an allergic reaction, so he was in left. The Cardinals said, okay, no problem. He's he's out tonight. Hopefully he's in there tonight. And they went with Carlson, who was in right. He moves to left. Edmund at second. He goes to right. Sosa's in the game. And Mundo Sosa with three hits, two infield hits, could have had four hits in the mm-hmm. game, made a great play to his left. Now, on the flip side, looking ahead to today, I mean, I am curious what the lineup will look like with Paul DeYoung. He had a tough night, both in, in the like field. I'd like to see in it. There's two ways to look at it, BK, and I know a lot of fans would say that too. And I understand your thinking. Um, number one, if Sosa's in it, you want him at at short, right? Correct. Okay. So here's, here's my thinking, and I think there's two ways to look at it, is Please. if you... First of all, you can go to Paul DeYoung, who's very bright and, and knows what's going on. He's struggling. Um, but you can go to him and probably sell the idea. We're going to give you a two for one. Let's give you the, the night off tonight. And you're going to have the day off uh, in Chicago. We're going to get to Chicago probably seven, eight, nine in the morning, whatever it is. Uh, enjoy the day off and be ready to go for the day game on Friday before the All-Star break. The other thing that you do, and a lot of managers will do this, and I... And I understand why they do it. And it, they do it with guys. It, a better example would be a bullpen guy that um, does not have the day off, but pitched the night before and got lit up. And the first thing you're going to try to do is get him right back on there so he doesn't stew on it. Sure. And I. so here's the flip side of what I'm trying to say is that I could also see where Mike Schilt says, hey, I'm going to get him 
um, back in there because, hey, we believe in you and you're my guy. Now, you are running out of games. Don't get me wrong. You're, you're, you're getting to the all-star break. So I understand what you're saying, and you got to win games, and you want to win this. You want to get a sweep and have that great momentum into Wrigley Field. So I do understand uh, both sides of how you approach the situation. Yeah, Hopefully I, I explained that. that right. You absolutely did. The one thing that I would go to just on the, the side of Sosa, why I would lean that direction, we've seen a lot of these games from Paul DeYoung this year, and he, he has been given the opportunity to go out there the next day. And the flip side is, by the way, I want to reward my guy that just uh, saved our bacon last night, which is Sosa. And played his ass off. That's like, it what, yeah. wasn't just plays that he made. It was hustle. Yeah. Like, he plays so hard. And this is not to suggest that Paul DeYoung doesn't. He does. He plays hard. But it's just there's been a just struggle a right certain now. different kind of energy that's in the lineup whenever Edmundo Sosa's out there. And I think this team needs that. I asked Mike Schiltz about this after the game yesterday. There was something that really stood out to me right after Dylan Carlson's catch, Dan. And it was Harrison Bader's energy right next to Dylan Carlson. Because Carlson always has the let's go in him. But then it kind of dissipates. He move forward, right? He's just, he's a professional. Harrison Bader is exuberant. He has energy and it is infectious. Yeah. And whether you think that has value or not, I do. And I think the energy that Edmundo Sosa brings to the table also has some value. I think having out that, that out there today in a game like this, in a series that you could go out there and sweep the best team in baseball, I don't know what he's going to bring offensively. He's been up and down this year, Edmundo Sosa has. But I know so far I've gotten nothing offensively out of Paul DeYoung other than the occasional home run. So I'm willing to even call that a wash. What he brings for me defensively and on the base paths and with his energy, I think is more than what I'm getting right now out of DeYoung. So I would go to Edmundo Sosa today in response to what we saw last night from both guys. And that's fair. And Sosa, like I said, and you just said it right there at the tail end of your point, saved your bacon. Hey, we reward you. Here you go. Uh, Adam Wainwright gives you five innings last night. Wasn't typical, Waino, but you know what? He grinded through, and the Cardinals have a chance now to win the series with a, well, they won it, but have a chance to sweep the series. These first two games were just, I mean, it's just validation that we should be playing a lot better than we have been. You know, we're a better team than we've shown, and and uh, these last couple games, we've, we beat a tough team in their park with a very great, tough crowd to play in front of, tough place to win. And we won two really tough games against two really, really, really good pitchers. So uh, we'll take it. Absolutely. You'll take it. And tonight it's Johan Oviedo, who was really good his last time out. Not great, but good. And uh, one of the things I saw out of him, controlling the strike zone. If he does that, he's going to be fine. And that's what I was talking about with the pitching. I want to see strikes because that will continue the momentum of what you have. You know what I mean? Even when you sometimes lose some games, I think as a fan, and I'm a fan at heart, for sure, is like, man, some of these games are four hours long and there's nine walks. It's it's not just when you lose. It's the manner in which you lose, and it's just, ugh. But if you would have lost a game last night, I would have said that as a baseball fan, man, that's entertaining. So what I'm saying is is that tonight, I want to see strikes out of Johan Oviedo. Been saying it every fifth day with him, <laughs> but I, I want to see it again tonight. I think the Cardinals have been playing more entertaining baseball now for basically since the start of the Arizona series. Um, that does not mean they have played great baseball but more entertaining to your point yeah. they're not striking out they're not throw they're not quite throwing as many balls as they had previously the pitching overall has been pretty darn good all things considered they've been playing more entertaining baseball and if you can keep that going into this all-star break it's absolutely going to give them a bunch of confidence and the other thing you can do like we talk about this game tonight dan 
think about this weekend. I'm going to be out Friday through Sunday. I'll be out of town, but... You son of a gun. God, if they... <laughs> I apologize. That's all right. If, if they can go in, even if it's two out of three against Chicago, man, you could bury the Cubs. You 11 in a row now. absolutely bury Are you jumping ahead to our deadline. last segment? What the hell are you doing here? We do MLB news and notes later. Well, I'll tell you right now. If you okay. haven't watched what the Cubs are doing. It's historic. Their, their offense is horrible. Yeah. We talk about what's going on with the names here in St. Louis, Dan, and how we don't understand. Same Man, thing going on there. This seems to be an epidemic across baseball. Which, by I don't the understand way, it. you know, we're talking about the pitching for the Cardinals. Look at an, also an underlying theme of what's starting to happen here the last two weeks. Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. He's hitting. And Nolan Arenado is Arenado. So you really do rely on those big two to not only set the tone, but in sometimes they're going to have to carry it. And and one may be off, but the other can't. And so that's what you're getting, those two guys stepping up. I thought the key at bat in the game, and I know there's a bunch of them. You could look at the Sosa home run. You could, there's a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. The Arenado home run. What about the Dylan Carlson walk to bring up Paul Goldschmidt Huge. with the bases loaded? That was a big at bat. And that's why I like him at the top of the lineup. Well, this is the thing about win, big wins, right? You get contributions from everybody. Last night, you could go through the entire lineup, and whether it be offensively or defensively, you got a big time at bat or a big time defensive play from them. If you want to look at the pitching staff, it wasn't Gallegos and Reyes yesterday. It was the underbelly of the bullpen that we've been so concerned about all year long. And they came through. Adam Wainwright, no, he didn't have his best stuff, and he admitted as much after the game. He said his stuff was crap after the game. Um, but he found a way to grind through and to be able to get you to a little further into that bullpen. That's just, God, such an awesome win for this team. They needed that one. You got a sharp fade. I just noticed that. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I got was that yesterday? yesterday. <laughs> this is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Like yesterday, it was Vince Scully, Minnesota bound. And part of that team, part of the great 80s teams, Ken Daly, who joins us here on 101 ESPN. I'm Dan McLaughlin. That's Brandon Kylie BK. Hey, Ken, it's always uh, great to hear your voice. I know we had the chance to catch up a couple of times uh, during the, the town halls that we were conducting on Cardinals.com during the pandemic. You were absolutely awesome on those, and the fans loved it. So I want to say thank you to you for doing that. And uh, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Well, those are awful kind words. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. And, of course, if you win, it's always even more fun. But uh, I'm doing well, uh, working way too hard. But, uh, you know, uh, doing life, I guess. That's how it goes. Hey, that's how it goes. Uh, So you're working hard. What are you doing these days? (laughs) Well, I've bought a house out of foreclosure, actually uh, two houses on the property. And so we rehabbed the small one first, and now we're we and moved into it. Now we're rehabbing the big one, and we're about uh, two-thirds of the way through that uh, and just uh, plugging along and then, you know, also selling properties around the state. So 
Yeah, I know you've done a great job with that for many, many years. Ken, I recently bought a house, and we've done some refurbishments, and I'm not saying anything Ken, crazy. Kenny yeah. hooked you up. I should have given you a call because some of this stuff is way out of my league, man. I, I've got a basement that could really use a remodel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got news for you. It's it's out of my league, too, and it's, it's you know... Like they say, it's taken about twice as long as expected and about twice as much money. So hey, Kenny. Uh, it wasn't where we were headed, but uh, someday we'll get there. Hey, Kenny, it's it's been great to, to catch up with guys that had the chance to pitch for Whitey and, and guys that, that played in that era of Whitey ball. Um, I'll just ask you just a general question from a player's perspective and especially a bullpen guy, because Whitey was just tremendous in knowing roles for guys. What was it like to watch the Cardinals of the 80s from your perspective? Well, I, I think we became better baseball people, to be honest with you. Um, playing the small ball game offensively, uh, defensively being solid, knowing that's how we had to play the game uh, with good pitching and solid defense in order to be in it late in the game to have a chance to win. So. Um, you know, when you watch rap move, make his moves and, and he's always an inning or two ahead. And, and of course being in the bullpen, you kind of have to know who, where, or what your situation is going to be that day. And Whitey was really good with having an open door and, you know, saying, Hey, Kenny, uh, you know, I know I used you for an inning and two thirds yesterday. Can you get me an out or you need a day off or what, you know, what do you need? And, uh, so of course, as a competitor, you never want to say, no, I'm done. Shut me down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but there are times when, uh, you know, uh, things are tender and you need to say, you know, Red, if it's, all, if it's possible, I'd like to have uh, a day rest. But if not, hey, so be it. We'll, we'll give it a shot. So that's how it went. Ken, what was the biggest baseball lesson that you learned from Whitey? Is there anything in particular that comes to mind where you're like, man, that is just such a smart, bright thing that I'd never thought about? Uh, well, you know, I think there was one incident that happened, uh, with Todd and I, that Whitey was ahead of the game on that. Uh, you know, when the roster went from 25 to 24 in spring training that year, he told Todd and I to take balls off the bat in the outfield just to get a feel for it. He knew we weren't going to be, uh, Willie McGee out there, you know, uh, but, uh, he knew that sometime some opportunity was going to come up where he wanted to keep that first pitcher in the game and be able to bring him back in. And of course it happened against the Dodgers. And <laughs> that was quite a scene to see Tommy flip a gasket. And, and <laughs> you know, he didn't want Todd to get his second eight warm-up pitches. And instead he delayed the game about 20 minutes and protested and Todd could have pitched six innings. And uh, anyhow, uh, it was just things Whitey was always, you know, thinking and, and knowing what was on the bench and how he wanted his matchups late in the game. And it was just, it was really incredible to watch. And, you know, most of the time, probably 95, 99% of the time, he got the situation that he, he thought he would get. Absolutely. He was great with those matchups. Kenny, do you have a, and Ken Daly is our guest, an outstanding left-hander, really a guy ahead of his time when coming back from Tommy John through absolute smoke. Um, do you have a favorite moment when you look back at your Cardinals careers or something that, uh, and you had really good postseason moments with other teams and championships, but there's, there's something that stands out for you with your, your Cardinals career? Well, I, I think there's no doubt that the biggest 
situation I was in that uh, was kind of fulfilling a childhood dream, I guess, was um, when Jack Clark hit the home run out in L.A. and I got to come in and pitch the last half of the inning and got the save. And, of course, that moved us on to the World Series. And, uh, you know, you have the, the pile up on the mound and all the excitement on the infield. And it was just, uh, you know, that when you're playing wiffle ball or stick ball or whatever it is in the backyard, it's always – you know, the ninth inning and two outs and you get the out and you celebrate in your own backyard. But this was the real deal. And uh, it was it was something special. Ken, what was special about that team in terms of the personalities? I mean, we know Willie McGee now. We know Ozzy here personally in St. Louis. Fans know them. But can you take us inside of that clubhouse? What was the vibe like on those teams in the late 80s? Well, you know, we knew we were going to win. We just wasn't sure who was going to be the guy that day. You know, it might have been a starting pitcher. It might have been a reliever. It might have been, you know, Jack Clark. Could have been Terry Pendleton, Tommy Herr, Fence. You know, I mean, it was just we had so much talent, but yet, you know, we didn't drive the ball anywhere as far as over the fence. Uh, You know, now they hit what we hit in a season. They hit in probably two, three weeks. And so (laughs) – so, you know, it wasn't like we were going to sit around and wait for a three-run homer to win the game. Uh, that didn't happen very often. But uh, it, we knew we were going to win, Everybody, and it, it made it, a, I think, a more team game and more team camaraderie. And, you know, Ozzy used to come in the clubhouse and say, who's going to be the big shooter today? You know, Because <laughs> that's how it was. I mean, you just didn't know. Everybody was ready. Everybody knew their roles, and you went and played the game. And, uh, you know, sometimes it was speed. Sometimes it was defense. Some It just was, you know, just we knew we were going to win. We just weren't sure how it was going to happen. Hey, Kenny, I'm curious. My final question for you, um, what's it mean to you to see Tommy Herr go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and we're going to see John Tudor, and you had some great matchups with Keith Hernandez and the Mets and the Cardinals, but to see all these guys go in, uh, your perspective of that, what's that mean to you? Well, it's always great to see a teammate, uh, you know, get those accolades. It, you you played with them. You knew they were good. Uh, some of the best I ever saw I got to play with. So, uh, you know, it was really something. I mean, I, not just here in St. Louis, but in Toronto, even we won back-to-back World Series there, and the tremendous the talent we had there was tremendous too, but it was a whole different ball game, and it was not St. Louis baseball at all. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, it was just it, – it's a cool thing to see them, you know, get recognized for what they did. And, and you know, like John Tudor, for instance, I mean – that season he had after starting out rough and, and just, I mean, I knew that was an off day for me because <laughs> it was going to go seven, eight, maybe nine and, and be done in two hours. So, uh, we was, miss those days, by the way, to watch those guys. Huh? We, we miss those two hour games, but believe me, <laughs> bet. there's some long nights, a lot of space in there. You're, you're telling me, um, and a final point, uh, I had the pr- uh, privilege and pleasure to work with your daughter, Sarah, when she was working, uh, doing some Cardinals TV. She is just awesome, Kenny. And you need to know that. I know you know that. And, uh, you got grandkids all over the place. So I know you're enjoying life outside of rehabbing homes, but I'm sure you're very proud of your family. They're, they're great people. Well, there's no doubt. Uh, you know, we have five kids, and they've all run different gammons and, and done different things, and it's just uh, fun to see them going through life, and you just hope the best for them. Uh, 
you know, there's bumps in the road and you just deal with it. Uh, that's part of life and you just go along. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. The grandkids, there's nothing like grandkids. You give them a hug and they give you a hug mm-hmm. and, you know, then you get to send them home and you get a good night's rest. So. <laughs> well, they're great people. I just wanted you to know that and you should be very proud of, of what uh, you've been able to accomplish with your wife and raising some great kids. So thank you for yeah, coming. Sorry. And thanks. You know, Dad, Sarah actually started 101 here. I mean, she was on that beginning crew that started the station here. So, yeah, that one's been around a while. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on, Kenny. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we see you down at the ballpark very, very soon. All right, Dan and BK, thanks for having me on. And you guys have a great day. You too. That that is uh, Ken Daly. And I mean to tell you, BK, you ought to go back. And I know you've seen some of the highlights of Ken Daly. So we, we talk about lefties that come out of a pen. So we, we enjoy watching Henesis Cabrera, I think. I mean, you look at a lefty that's firing 100, and you say, wow, that's a – not only is it 97, 98, 99, 100. That's impressive in itself, but it's from the left side, and he's got a big bender. But Ken Daly was like one of the first guys that I noticed from that side just throwing smoke, man, and he was awesome coming out of the pen. He does not get enough credit for just how good he was for many years in that Cardinal bullpen. Hell of a prospect coming in as well. He was a big-time prospect and then made good on those aspirations once he got here to St. Louis. Those teams were just loaded with talent. I mean, one thing that about the 97 or, excuse me, the 87 team, and you had Jack Clark, who's <laughs> um, Wall of Fame guy in San Francisco, who came here. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be great for three years. Yep. It, just an unbelievable era. All right, coming up, we're hoping that this guy has a great era in St. Louis, and that will be uh, Matthew Libertor. Had a tough night last night, uh, made a start, was roughed up, but that's part of the growing process of what you have at uh, AAA and certainly in the minor leagues. Matthew Libertor will be our guest. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Uh, looking forward to having the chance to visit now with uh, Matthew Libertor. He is the top pitching prospect uh, of the St. Louis Cardinals, one of the top prospects in all the baseball. That is BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Cardinals had an exciting win last night and sooner. Hopefully, rather than later, at some point, we're going to see Matthew Libertor wear those uh, birds on the bat and make his Major League debut. He has made the jump from A-ball to AAA, which is quite a jump. Uh, he's helped pitch Team USA into the Olympics, so it's been a great learning experience, I'm sure, for Matthew this season. And he joins us. Hey, Matthew, uh, good morning to you, and, and thanks for hopping on. We appreciate it. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning to you guys. Um, let's talk about this year. What What has this experience been like, your first time at AAA? Um, it's been a lot different for me, honestly. Um, but I think it's been a really good thing. And like you said, it's been a really good learning experience. Um, obviously going from low A to triple A has been a, uh, a big jump in the talent level that I see here in the hitters. Um, so I've had to, you know, learn and grow and adjust and make those adjustments to be able to get these guys out. Um, and I feel like every outing I've I've really been able to step away from it and take something away that I learned and get better every single day. So um, I'm really enjoying this experience so far. What are some of those adjustments that you've noticed that you've had to make so far? Um, you know, guys just hit better at this level. They have better approaches. They see the ball better. They hit the mistake pitches. Um, you can't get away with just getting guys out with pure stuff. 
anymore. Um, so you really, really have to pitch and learn the hitters and be able to read at bats and make pitch to pitch adjustments. Um, I think, you know, just all around the hitters have a much better approach. And like I said before, are just flat out better hitters. I, I think it's going to be interesting in the minor leagues. And I, I can't wait to hear your answer about this, but minor leagues in general, but specifically pitchers, you could do all the work you wanted last year on the side and do that at Springfield, and you were part of the satellite camp. But now you're you're pitching every fifth, sixth day, and so it's live action. And now you're starting to get into uh, what would be the latter stages of a minor league season, but it's been pushed back. So how's the body holding up? How's the arm holding up? The mental side of it? All those things coming off uh, last year having no minor league season. Um, I think so. So far, the toughest thing for me was kind of getting back into the swing of things. Um, after my first outing, I was sore for, we're on a six day rotation here. We were at the beginning of the season. I was sore up until the day before my next start. Um, just because I hadn't thrown with that intensity and that amount of adrenaline. And, you know, as much as you want to try and simulate live ABs and live reps and stuff at home during the, the COVID shutdown, there's nothing like lacing up the cleats stepping in the box against a guy on another team with umpires and fans in the stands. Um, so I think the biggest adjustment for me was really getting back to competing and uh, getting into the routine of being a starting pitcher again and going out there and competing every five or six days. Um, as of right now, I feel like I'm actually starting to get into midseason shape a little bit. I'm starting to bounce back a little bit better from my outings. I'm not as sore from throwing, you know, 80 to 95 pitches. Um, so, you know, getting through the season has not been as tough as I thought it would be. Um, more so just getting back into the swing of things and getting my body caught back up to, you know, game speed and all that adrenaline. Matthew, Dan mentioned kind of in the intro to this, one of the most interesting parts to your season, which was you going out and being a part of the Olympic trials for the U.S. Olympic team. What was that experience like for you? And was was there anything in particular that you felt like you learned from going and being a part of Team USA? Um, you know, I said this when I played for the USA team in 2017, but I don't think there's many things that beat being able to go out and wear USA across your, uh, across your chest doing what you love. Um, and so to be able to go and help them qualify for the Olympics, yeah, it would have been really cool to go to Tokyo and all that, but... Uh, just the fact that I got to be a, a fraction of the help that gets them there um, was really, really special. And it was really, really cool to just go out and play for, you know, the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back of the jersey. And I feel like USA did an exceptional job at picking a good mix of veteran talent and guys that have been in the big leagues for a long time and have been around and know the game um, and know how to win. And then a young, young group of uh, really, really talented prospects. I mean, since we've been back, I think we've already had a couple guys make their debuts in the big league. So, um, you know, that, that dynamic kind of mixed really well and we had a really good team chemistry and it made it so easy to just go out there and take care of business and win baseball games. You, you led me right into my next question. And we had John Jay uh, on a show, I guess it's about a month ago. And he, he talked about the pride of wearing the uniform. It was just wonderful to hear because of his background, uh, his family from Cuba and now loving this country and what it means to wear uh, the USA across the chest. So you, you hit that and you said how important that was for you. But he also mentioned, 
mentioned the guys that he got a chance to play with, and you were saying a mix of really good major league veterans with the youth. So I am curious about some of those veterans, whether they were pitchers or not. What did you take away from some of those guys when they pull you aside and say, hey, Matthew, and our, our guest, by the way, is Matthew Libertor, but they say, hey, I see this, or you might want to think about this, or when you get to the big leagues, be on the watch for this. Um, just some of those kind of things that uh, you were able to take away in that experience. Um, to be completely honest, I think some of the best advice that I got didn't necessarily have anything to do with me in particular, pitching in particular. Um, you know, I had, you know, pitching coach Dave Wallace come up to me and talk to me about my usage of the curveball in the last game and how it helped me stay in the game and be able to throw as many innings as I did that day. Um, and I had conversations with the hitters after my bullpens about what they saw from my stuff and whether they could pick it up or not and what good combinations and sequences were. Um, but some of the best stuff that I learned while I was there was just from watching how those guys go about their business. And, you know, first night in uh, Vero Beach and Todd Frazier's trying to get everyone together to go play cards and hang out and eat pizza for a little while. And that became like a nightly routine for us. And going into the actual tournament where we were quarantined in a, a bubble in the hotel and not allowed to leave, um, I feel like those kinds of things are what led us to being as good as we were and what made it possible for us to have such a good team chemistry. Um, you know, we were together for a short amount of time and nobody really knew each other at the beginning of the event. Um, and by the end of the event, like I didn't want to leave. I felt like I had a new family. Um, and so, uh, I think that some of the best stuff that I picked up while I was there was how to go about it the right way and how to, how to win and how to win the right way. And I think that those things are invaluable. Matthew, one guy that you've known for a long time is Nolan Gorman, and he's now joined you up at AAA. What's it like to be able to play with one of your lifelong friends once again at the AAA level, kind of knocking on the door of the big leagues together? <laughs> I've been waiting for this for a long time. Um, you know, we haven't actually stepped on the same field in a legit baseball game since I think the, the USA event in 2017 when we went to Thunder Bay. Um, so we got a couple of innings here and there in spring training while I was pitching. He was playing third. Um, and then we spent the alternate site together last year after the trade had happened. But um, this is the first time that we've been able to step on the field and compete for real again, uh, with each other. And it's just super, super cool. Um, we're also living together right now in Memphis. Um, and it's just you know, I've said this a zillion times, but it's just so nice to be able to like go back after a game and talk about what happened and be able to bounce ideas off of somebody who understands me and thinks like I do um, and vice versa for him. So, um, you know, I can't say enough good things about him and the fact that he's here. You know, if he makes a couple of errors behind you, you guys are living together. You know, you got to give him a little trouble. I'm, I'm just saying it, I'm sure that's uh, that's open game right there. It sure is. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so cool to have you guys uh, together because uh, I don't know if you remember we did the Zoom and you guys were together and you're playing off each other and giving each other crap, which is fun um, in a playful way. But it is amazing. I, I can't recall, and maybe BK off the top of your head, and, and Matthew, I know you've been asked the question a ton, but I, I can't recall childhood friends that become top prospects in the country and then wind up on the same uh, in the same organization and now at AAA and eventually in the major leagues. Matthew, do you know of any combo like that? Uh, I've yet to hear of it. 
I'm, I, I haven't. It's a rarity. I mean, you, you could think of it's it's different because they never played for the same team. Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper yeah. were like that coming up, but they didn't end up playing together. Nolan Arenado, Matt Chapman played together right. whenever they were younger, but again, not for the same organization. It's it's super rare what you're able to do, and now you're going to be able to be in the Futures game together uh, this summer. It's awesome. Matthew, what's that going to be like when you guys take the field in Denver together in the Futures game? What What are you expecting from that experience? Um, I'm expecting nothing but to go enjoy, um, a really cool experience and another notch on, you know, something that I was able to do this season. Um, I said this in uh, a previous interview that I did, but I feel like the script just keeps getting better. Um, you know, if you went back four or five years ago, right before we were drafted and all this became a reality and you handed me a script and said, hey, this is what your life is going to look like five years from now. I'd have probably told you you're crazy. So um, the fact that these things keep happening and that I keep getting to do them with Nolan, um, you know, cherry on top right there, uh, I, I don't know how it gets much better than this. And I just continue looking forward to whatever else might happen in the future. So the game is on Sunday. Uh, what are your plans to, to get to Denver and what's it going to be like for your family and friends in terms of what they're going to do too? Um, as of right now, all I know is that I'm flying in on Saturday. Um, and then I think we have an itinerary um, for the actual day of the game. So it sounds like it's going to be pretty pretty early day and pretty long day and then i think we fly out the next day um so really just going to try and cram as much family and friends as i can in those you know short 36 or so hours that we're going to be there matthew my final baseball question that i have for you when when you talk to whether it be decision makers or whoever coaching staff wise uh, with with the memphis redbirds what are you still working on right now before you are ready for the big leagues? Is there anything in particular that you're focusing on down there? Um, I mean, yeah, I feel like there's always something that I'm focusing on. You know, I like to try and think about pitching and development in baseball as a constantly evolving process. And the second that you feel that you figured it out or that you're comfortable with who you are and what you have at that moment is the game is the, the day that the game will humble you and, you know, tell you that it's your time if that's the case. Um, so, you know, I feel like for me, I'm always trying to get better. If I feel like my curveball is really good, I'm trying to figure out how it can be even better than good. Um, so I feel like there's nothing like necessarily lacking right now or that I'm doing poorly. Um, I just feel like, you know, it's sandpaper adjustments right now, trying to do those little things right, trying to make sure all the uh, T's are crossed and I's are dotted, um, just all those little things like that. But nothing nothing huge or nothing in particular that I'm focusing on at the moment. Hey, Matthew, I know it wasn't an easy night uh, last night. Appreciate you getting up early with us today. Baseball players, they love to sleep mm-hmm. in, so I get that. And you came on the show. Really appreciate it and enjoy the experience on Sunday. And hopefully we see you here in St. Louis very, very soon. Thanks for doing this. Thank you guys for having me. You got it. That's uh, Matthew Libertor, the uh, top pitching prospect of the Cardinals, one of the best uh, pitching prospects in baseball. Yeah, what a, a good conversation with nice him. Kid. I appreciate him hopping on with us today. I think what's really cool about what he's been able to experience this year, Dan, is he's going to be around big leaguers a decent amount. I mean, a you bunch. look at what he was with Team USA. 
a lot of current and former professional baseball players that were around him. He said, you know, we had the the pizza and cards that they were playing on a nightly basis. Big that's, league camp, spring training. Yeah, I mean, that that's a big deal. You go out to the Futures game, and I know it sounds like he's got a pretty busy itinerary, but he's going to be around some big leaguers while he's out there at the Futures game. Those are experiences that are invaluable. And whether it be just picking up a small piece of information or watching guys go about their business, seeing what it looks like to be a big leaguer, uh, that's super valuable for a guy like Matthew Libertor. Talk to Adam Wainwright, uh, Wainwright about this. He said he is a sponge. He he wants to be better. So physically, he obviously knows there's things that he has to improve upon to get to the next level. But he's open-minded. He's listening. He wants to learn. And that's all you can ask for from a prospect is, is somebody be open-minded, Try things out. Guys are seeing things, uh, seeing things, former players, coaches, managers, whatever, the Team USA experience, and they say, hey, here, I'm noticing this, or you might want to work on that. He listens, and he's trying. So um, I look forward to seeing what he's got. I really do. Maybe we'll see it this year. You don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe out of the bullpen late in the season, September call-ups, you could see something like that. A lefty out of the pen is something this team could probably use later on in the season. Um, I, I'm just excited to see what he looks like on the big league club And I'm glad to see, I think, this year, Dan, because both of the way that the Cardinals outfield has performed and also the fact that Randy Rosarena no longer looks like Babe Ruth, I think we've kind of heard a quieting of that storm of he's got to be Cy Young to be able to make this worth it. That that was – I didn't even want to ask him about it because I I know he's been asked about it. But that was – it was – and I understand why he's asked about it, so I'm not – you know, knocking those that asked him about it because Randy Rosarena, to your point, turned into Babe Ruth and carried the the Rays into the World Series and almost won it. And the Cardinals gave up a guy that, and all of a sudden you looked and said, well, what do the Cardinals need? Well, they need an outfielder. <laughs> okay, well, the guy they got better be pretty good. So um, you're always going to have that comparison. But I, I think you remember how I was approaching this. I said, look, in the moment, yeah. This is a tough one to swallow. I mean, you got one guy that's in Springfield at a satellite camp, and this guy's hitting the ball all over the place. You have to wait until the trade plays out. It might be five years. It might be 10 years. might be two years. Both guys are out of the league. They get injured, and you look at how it plays out. Hopefully that's not the case. But you have to wait until it plays out. But the bigger picture is I hope that he doesn't put pressure on himself to say, I've got to live up to the guy that they traded me for. Yeah. Because he's he's his own guy. It's it's apples and oranges, and that's just the way it is. Do you know that Harrison Bader has a higher slugging percentage this year than Randy Rosarena? Yes. yes. Find that interesting. Um, it, it is. I I was certainly lost in the moment last year. Like I was as much a victim of this as anybody else, and I was like, listen, how could you trade this guy? You need an outfield. It might be that the Cardinals were right. Like it's possible. Now that does not mean that right now they absolutely were correct, but. When you look at what the Cardinals have in the outfield right now, with Tyler O'Neill playing the way he has this year, and Harrison Bader adding energy and defense and some power, really, to this lineup right now, and Dylan Carlson has been everything you could have asked for and then some, maybe the Cardinals are right. And it takes some time, but you've got to give them the benefit of time to be able to find out if they were right or not. I am looking forward, though, to watching Libertor pitch. And I'll tell you why. It was uh, Two springs ago, we're down there doing the games, and it was J.J. Blade, who is considered a top prospect, left-handed hitting uh, prospect for the Marlins. And I thought, oh, this is kind of cool, because that's the matchups you get in spring training. You might get a veteran that's been around forever facing a young kid, and, and you've heard about the young kid, and you say, man, this is kind of fun. Let's see how it plays out. And you know the young kid is fired up. Sure. The veteran's like, just don't hit me. I'm trying to get some pitches in here and get some work. But it was Blade against... Um, 
Matthew Libertor, and he spun off a breaking ball. It was the best one I saw in camp. And I thought, you know, this is why that people are high on him. Now, can he do that consistently? That's the question. But it's there, and you can understand why they wanted this guy. And, you know, he's, he's a lefty. He's tall. He's big. He's going to grow into his body a little bit more. He's, he's throwing probably 92 to 94. You know, you're going to add a little bit more velocity, maybe mechanically make some adjustments potentially. I mean, that's the thing with young pitchers. You get out of whack. But that's the promise that you have in this guy. And Blade bailed. I mean, he was like in the first row of the seats, and I was like, holy smokes, that's a, that's a curveball. And this year when we were doing the games, I'd see one curveball. I'd go, ooh, that'll play. And then the next one I'd see get whacked into center because it didn't do anything. Yep. It's just the consistency of those young kids. And last night was one of those nights for him. He just didn't have yeah. it. Uh, I saw some reports from guys that watch closer than I do for, to the minor leagues. They said his fastball just didn't have any life on it. And he got hit around. And it was a rough night for him. But prior to that, his last like four stars down in AAA, basically since coming back from Team USA, he had been excellent for them, not going super deep in games, but he had been quite good and, and effective while he's been in the game. So it's those little steps that you're taking. And you got to remember, this is the jump from A ball, no double A to triple A. Yep. That's a massive jump for a young prospect. It's big. Dan, before we get out of here, can I ask you one quick question? There's some news PK, coming you out. You can ask me anything you want, baby. Of Chicago right now. The White Sox have decided to designate uh, Adam Eaton for assignment. This is a lefty bat who they say it looks like TLR came out with some comments. They're just not able to get him enough playing time moving forward. And that's probably because he's been bad this year. Uh, he has a 600 OPS yeah. on the season. Most of that. The issue is he just cannot hit left-handed pitching. So my answer is intrigued. Okay. <laughs> Very. Yes. But here's the thing. Your, your, your option right now, though, off the bench, and you just mentioned when healthy, where's he going to play? Yeah. Okay, so he is a fourth outfielder, Mm -hmm. um, and your option, I would think your first option off the bench is Matt Carpenter, who's making some strides here. He's had a really good series against the Giants, had the key hit in game one, had a base hit against a lefty last night, hit a bullet 100 miles an hour off the bat. Um, Where's the playing? You know, you just got to look at where where is he going to play? Now, if one of these guys was hurt, I'd say go get him, Mm -hmm. but they're not. Um, Yeah, I'm intrigued. For sure. I'd be I'd be curious to see what the Cardinals think. I think the roster spots that are up for grabs right now, this is my opinion, pure speculation, would be Junior Fernandez coming out of the bullpen. Maybe you could do something with that. Jose Rondon, maybe you send him back down to AAA or the taxi squad, depending on how you want to look at that. Those are probably the two spots that you have to play with right now. Um, I would definitely, if Adam Eaton is interested in taking your call, I would be giving him a call right sure. now. Sure. Why not? That's a guy that I would be interested a in. Veteran, stretch run. See what you get. Uh, Got to tell you about FanDuel. By the way, before I tell you about FanDuel, you have your show coming up. I want to make sure we promote who you have coming up. We do indeed. Coming up today, we've got Ron Wotus, uh, the car- the Giants' third base coach. He's been with them for more than 20 years. He's won three World Series titles. Uh, one of the best coaches that's not a manager in baseball. Very excited to talk with him coming up at 1. And Tommy Edmond, the Cardinals' second baseman, outfielder extraordinaire. He's going to join us coming up at 1.30. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial.
Peloton, motivation that moves you.